It's Gardening Talk back on a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you once again. Great to see you. We haven't shared pleasantries yet today. So how are you? How I'm, is, I'm how quite we... well. Oh, excellent. Quite well for a Monday. Great to kickstart the week. Good, good. Yourself? I'm very well also. That's wonderful. What have you got planned for us today, Scott? <laughs> I, I thought today we'd talk about an upcoming uh, event that I really, really love. It's the yep. Maitland Garden Ramble. Not on until September, but we always start talking about it nice and early and yep. eventually we'll have some tickets to give away. Oh, excellent. Not today, not, not quite yet. Not today. Not today. In the we'll, future. We'll start teasing people with it. <laughs> I thought I'd talk about uh, scale on gardenias. A lot of people are coming in about that odd at this time of year, but it seems to be a problem. And uh, sensory plants, we'll have a talk about those as well. Julie from Womberall, and she's got a question about a mango tree. How can we help with it, Julie? It's starting to flower, Scott. Why? Hold, hold the hold the horses there. It really shouldn't be doing that at the moment. Well, I told it not to, but <laughs> it's just not listening. No, not at all. It must be a male tree. Oh, oh look, you just beat me to the punch. Then I was about to say that. I was going to, <laughs> I was going to undermine my the fairer sex and uh, say it myself. Uh, but look, uh, a flowering mango tree at the moment. It's obviously just being a little bit confused by, you know. I guess we've had a couple of warm days. We've still got the warm nights. Uh, look, unfortunately, there's not really very much you can do about it, Julie. What will probably happen is it'll start to set fruit. Uh, and if we get any cold nights, you know, between now and, you know, September, October, that'll just start to drop off anyway. So not really too much you can do about it at this point in time. So should I be spraying it with Manga Z now? Uh, yes, you can do it. Uh, if you've got the blossom on there, because you get the anthracnose and the blossom end rot in mangoes, you can spray it now. Uh, look, it might all be to no avail, but if it is to, you know, some benefit, uh, you know, and you do get fruit off it, well, you know, that's all well and good. So yes, go and spray as normal um, and just cross your fingers we don't get any, uh, you know, really cold nights. But the trouble is those westerly winds are... Uh, uh, you know, coming in. As Greg just said in the weather before, it's going to get quite chilly tonight. So uh, Yes, very chilly. Yes. So, and look, that may be, uh, you know, something quite normal for uh, as we go through August. So, look, just cross your fingers on it. So, if it drops a flower now, when should it really flower? Well, it, it really shouldn't start flowering, uh, I guess, until mid-September or so, once we start to get, uh, you know, warmer time. The only benefit of it is that if you do get some uh, mangoes that hold on, uh, you know, they probably will ripen up quite nicely for you as the season progresses. Okay, thank you very okay, much. So, look, sorry I can't really give you uh, an answer to that, except, yes, spray as normal and uh, wish for the best. Okay, thanks a lot. Okay, thank Bye. you, Julie. Bye-bye. I thought it'd be good if they flowered early. Yeah, well, it... It's nature, and it de and it, it's the old thing. It depends. It depends on what the weather's going to be like, yep. you know, before it becomes spring proper. Uh, you know, we can get some quite cold snaps uh, through August. I mean, we are at the peak of the snow season. I think it's blizzarding down there at the moment. Okay, I yeah. thought we're coming to the end. Well, like, what do I know? Well, yeah. Look, <laughs> traditionally August for some reason is the peak of the of the ski season. I, I've never quite understood why. I guess it's all building up down yep. there over time. But uh, yeah, so that can happen. Uh, you know, with your garden as well. Okay. Yeah, we can get those cold snaps and then uh, bat, you know, if you've got new shoots coming on or flowers and fruit like on a mango tree, which is, you know, really a tropical plant, it's not going to be a very happy uh, little camper there for a little while. Okay. Yeah. So just leave it though? Or? Leave it. Not much you can do. You could pick the fruit off if you wanted to, the flowers off, but uh, look, you might as well leave them on there and see what happens. Hope for the best. Yeah, that's the, yeah. And as uh, Julie said, give it a spray just to uh, manage the fungal diseases that they can get. Probably not going to be as prevalent because it's still quite dry out there, but uh, do it nevertheless. Very good. We've got Kerry now from Macquarie Hills, and she's got a question about 
roses. Yes, and it's the time. How can we help you with them, Kerry? Oh, good morning. Good afternoon, Scott. Sorry. Scott, um, the icebergs haven't got it, but the other roses have got this white powdery thing all over them. Ooh, that doesn't sound good. Describe it a little bit more for me. Well, I, <laughs> I actually put some pest oil all over it and that didn't work. Um, you were away, so I was sort of waiting till you come back. Um, it's all up and down the stems. It, it's, you can still see wood within the white, but it just looks like a white powdery mildew type thing. Right, okay. So, it, look, louse scale does go up and down the stems of iceberg roses, and it just looks like almost tiny, tiny little dots and lots of them. And usually if you get your fingernail or, uh, you know, just a coin or something, uh, you can actually just, they'll just sort of flake off as you rub over the top of them. Uh, if you have got a fungal disease, though, you're going to have to use something different to pest oil. And then that sounds like uh, you could have powdery mildew or something on the rose, the way you're describing it. Uh, now, to, okay. get, to get rid of that, you're going to have to use Mancozeb Plus or copper oxychloride. Uh, the other thing to, to keep in mind, though, is it's probably time to prune them. Have you pruned them yet? I did. Ah, okay. So I, got took, some... I, I took a risk last week and oh. pruned them. Oh. Yeah, no, that's, that's fine. That's fine. Did you spray with lime sulphur? Uh, after no, you, okay. I didn't. So spraying with lime sulphur is really important after you've pruned your roses. Uh, what right. it does is it actually kills any louse scale up and down the stems. It uh, seals up any of the, the uh, end cuts that you've made where you've pruned. And mm -hmm. it also gets rid of any fungal disease that's on the plant. So lime sulphur is a great thing to spray with. Uh, look, if, right. if you're spraying it around other plants, just make sure you hose those other plants off afterwards because it can burn them. But uh, yes, always lime sulphur after you've pruned your roses. Uh, but right. if you have got some sort of other fungicide uh, in your uh, garage or in your shed, give that a go. Mancozeb or copper oxychloride will do that. Oh, I think mm, I think I've got the mancozeb um, out in the garage. Yeah, so, so use, right. use it that. Didn't, and otherwise... It didn't the, Sorry, That's God. all right. Otherwise, the pest oil up and down the stems, if it is louse scale, will kill that. So just make sure you go out and give it a bit of a flick with your fingernail and see if they see do. What happens. See if they flake off. But if it if it looks powdery, like uh, how how could it? Not even a dusting of talcum powder, uh, you know, almost like a dusting of icing sugar over there. Then it's probably uh, some sort of fungal disease. Yeah, that's what it looks like, doll. Okay, it's unusual at this time of year, but uh, you know, like they in the old good good old James Bond movie, never say <laughs> never. Never say never. Yeah. <laughs> It'll happen in my garden. <laughs> All right, Scott. Okay. Good luck. Thank with you, doll. Thank you, Kerry. Thank Bye -bye. you very much. Bye, Bye for now. Uh, I thought you were going to say Doctor No. No, I wasn't going to say Doctor No. I was thinking about the the one that where Sean Connery came back. Was that Never Say Never Again? Or it might be. It might be. Let's not go there. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. not overly sure. Now, Scott, you mentioned a little bit earlier as you're struggling with your glasses. Uh, the Maitland Rambles kicking off in September? Yes, the Maitland Garden Ramble. It's going to be on on the 16th and 17th of September. I had to take my glasses off then so I can uh, read a little bit. Fair enough. This is not from the top I, of my mind. Adjust your eyes. This, is, this isn't from the top of my mind. It's uh, actually, I'm reading this. So. You're ruining the theatre. Well, I am a little <laughs> bit. Uh, sorry about that, but I'm squinting at the same time. So yeah, the Maitland Garden Ramble, it's on the 16th and 17th of September. Of course, it's on up in the uh, Maitland region. Yep. Lots and Very lots handy. Of, yeah. Lots and lots of beautiful, big, spread out gardens up there. Uh, look, the gardens up there, pretty clever. They can grow things that you 
might not necessarily grow too well down here in Newcastle. Okay. Just the tiniest little change of humidity. Uh, I didn't it, think it'd be that much. Yeah, it's, it's quite unusual that, uh, you know, the things that people can grow up there. Uh, even once you get out around Cessnock, uh, you know, and you get those little cold hollows out there near yep. the mountains, people can actually grow apples out there. And I think they get better results with oranges and those okay. sort of plants that need a bit of a chill yep. as well. Uh, I don't know about cherries. It's probably not quite cold enough up there. Maybe not. I'm sure someone will ring in and tell us, hopefully, that they're growing cherries successfully I'm sure, I'm sure somewhere. They will be. And we'd be quite uh, quite pleased to hear from them. Uh, but the Maitland Garden Ramble, look, it's uh, got eight of uh, Maitland's um, you know, most gorgeous gardens. It's going to be open from uh, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on both the Saturday and the Sunday. Now, uh, the tickets are available from Maitland Visitor Information Centre, Heritage Gardens, uh, up there at East Maitland, uh, Bulwara Cafe, and uh, we've got them down here at uh, our place in Darwin. Street, uh, so that's uh, all fantastic with the tickets. Very easy to get from those outlets. The other thing is, if you want to use the shuttle bus, it departs Maitland Railway Station. But the important thing, and the reason I'm mentioning this one right now and getting yep. and saying it early for listeners. Uh, is because those tickets have to be pre-purchased. You, you just oh, can't turn you up. Just roll in. Yeah, and get the shuttle bus. So uh, there, they, there are limited seats as well. So if you want to use that shuttle bus service uh, during the ramble, it's a, a good idea to get in very, very early. Uh, now, look, some of the gardens that, that are going to be on display, the uh, Zeta Park Garden at Woodville, uh, Michael's Garden at East Maitland, the Simpson Garden at uh, Rayworth, uh, the Villa at Morpeth. Uh, there'll be food and uh, facilities available there. The Regents Park at Maitland, again, food and facilities. Uh, Brown Garden at Lawn, the Namira Garden at Lawn, and the Bora Garden at Bolwara. And, uh, of course, yes, there are charges for it, uh, but uh, all of those uh, go to a good cause. Very good. It's a big day. It is a very, very big day. And it might even be, you know, suggested to uh, split it over a couple of days, a couple of mornings, okay. maybe. Yeah. Go on the Saturday, and then do a second leg on the Sunday. Yeah, just go and do four gardens. Um, you know, go up and have something to eat, and you know, come back up the next day because it really it's not that much of a drive, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's nice all in around the same area. Yeah. So now look, that's uh, the sixteenth and seventeenth of September, and of course, as time comes closer, we will be giving away double passes to that. Okay, but not this week. Not this weekend. Maybe uh, not next weekend. Uh, we might be able to start next week. Maybe. Yes. Maybe. Right. I'm it's, pretty sure we'll be able to... No, actually, we will make it official now. We'll right. make it an executive decision. We will start giving away tickets for the Maitland Garden Ramble next week. Okay, well, it's Monday. official. It is official. Okay. Gardening talk back on 2 and FM. We've got Barry from Jesmond, and he's got a question about his magnolia tree. How can we help you with it, Barry? Oh, how are you, Scott? Yeah, pretty well, mate. Good. Um, I've just got a question about my um, magnolia. Mm-hmm. It's been in about two years. Uh, the leaves come and go every whenever they're supposed to come, but I don't get any flowers on it. It's about two metres high. Um, I was just wondering what I should do to get some flowers on it. Yeah, so it sounds like you've got the deciduous magnolia there. That's the one that gets the big pink flowers on it. It's it's yep, uh, yep. It's a Felix. It's a dark red flower. Oh, yeah, one of the really nice rubra ones. Yeah, they're yeah. very they're very attractive. Well, uh, it's look, supposed to be. But. Yeah. <laughs> and look, the thing is, it should actually be starting to bud up now for you because they uh, they flower, uh, you know, in early spring and then the leaves come on. And uh, the other thing can happen with them, though, unfortunately, is that the uh, westerly winds come through and can really blow the buds and things away. But if yours isn't flowering at all, uh, yeah. have you been fertilising it with anything, Barry? I give it some rooster booster and I put some cow manure around it. 
And, um, yep. Okay. Now the the rooster booster it may be high in nitrogen because if it if it's uh, you know derived from fowl manure they're usually quite high in nitrogen so it might be best to stick clear of that one and yep. just you know continue using the cow manure. Uh, but you're going to have to start using some sulfate of potash because it's the important thing to get uh, your plants flowering. Uh, now, I've, I've even given it a dose of that on a couple of occasions. Yeah. It's been about two years. Yeah, you know, okay. so everybody you... around the district's got heaps of flowers on theirs, but... But now the thing with uh, potash is you can't just use it a couple of times over a couple of years. You've got to start using it regularly and building it up in the soil. Uh, yep. So, you know, you could probably use it every month if you wanted to uh, oh, and, yeah. and start yeah. building it up in the soil. So you might not get a result out of it this year, unfortunately. Uh, yep. I'd just keep on, uh, you know, uh, using it over this next year and I'm pretty certain you're going to get a result come next August or September. Uh, look, the other thing is it's, it's not bad for the plant. You know, the plant's actually... You know, putting all that energy into growing. You've said you've said you've got it up to two meters tall now, which is oh, really I good. It, I bought it about that high. Oh, right. So from, uh, from the nursery. You so know? Has, has it grown much, mate, at all? Or no. Okay. No. Now you've got. Have you got it in the lawn? Um, no. I've, I will. It's, I've dug an area probably a, a twelve to fourteen inches square oh, yeah, yeah. out of the lawn and. and Made a garden of it. You okay, know, so but, you, uh, and you're keeping that. They're keeping the lawn away from the trunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got it bricked around. And yeah. okay, well, that, that that's the main thing because leaving the lawn up around the trunk, it really sucks out moisture and nutrient. And it could be just because it's been in that area that the lawn has sucked out a lot of uh, you know moisture and nutrient over time. Anyway, so look, just uh, I'd start up with you. Keep on with your cow manure. Start up with the sulfate of potash every month. And yep. uh, just make sure that it's being regularly watered, and uh, hopefully you get the plant growing and flowering nicely. Yeah, yeah. My wife said, "Give it a whack like they do with a with a jacarandas." I said, oh, "I don't know that that'll do." Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's going to be helpful. I, I think that might be an old wives' tale about the jacaranda too. <laughs> but I, there, there is some truth to them that they flower when they're stressed. But I don't think the magnolia is going to benefit from that. So I'd probably nah. steer clear of doing that, mate. <laughs> Then. Okay, so. All right, thank you. Not a problem. A bit of uh, TLC rather than a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of a hit. <laughs> All right, mate. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Barry. Cheers. Cheers, All Barry. Right. What else you got planned for us today, Scott? Well, uh, I'd mentioned before that people have been coming in about scale on their gardenias. All right. Yeah, that's a bit unusual at this time of year because uh, usually those little. Uh, Scale insects love it when it's nice and warm, but there's been, uh, yeah, quite a, a few people come through the door and say, look, it's, it's a problem at the moment. Uh, maybe, sca- maybe, maybe they're adapting. Yes, they might be adapting to the cold as well, yeah, like starting to snowboard or something like that, <laughs> the little scale insects. So scale is, uh, it is can be quite a bad problem on plants uh, because, it, you know, they just start off, you know, as one little insecty sort of guy there and uh, all of a sudden they breed and they multiply. And so rather than just one little thing sucking some sap out of the plant, there's all of a sudden a whole lot of them and it sort of just squashes the plant. You know, it just takes it over eventually. Can't photosynthesize. So scale is just a windborne insect. Don't beat yourself up about it. If it's landed on your plant, not your fault. Although it can be an indication of an unhealthy plant when they can actually land there and... uh, and uh, take hold, but so gen- it, it is your fault as well. Yes, yeah, sort of. Okay, yeah. I was just trying not to lay <laughs> the, the blame too squarely on anyone's shoulders, but they are windborne, so it's not like you know you've done anything particularly wrong yep. to get them into your garden. Uh, they do need to be sprayed to get them under control. Uh, because the trouble with the scale insect is it is excretes like a little residue, right? And the ants come up from the soil to feed on that. Okay, so the ants bring up from the soil 
fungal spores. Yep. And you get this thing called sooty mould all over the plant, all over the leaves of the plant. It actually goes quite black. And then what happens is that it stops the plant from photosynthesizing because the sunlight can't penetrate into the leaves. Oh. So all of a sudden, you've got this sort of plant in a death spiral. It's, you know, it's like it's been cruising along at you know, 30,000 feet or whatever. It's quite happy. Yep. And all of a sudden, it's, it's on its way down because it just everything goes hand in hand. It becomes more unhappy. The scale can take hold uh, a lot easier. Uh, you know, the sooty mold takes over. It can't photosynthesize. And you can see it's starts chasing its tail and all of a sudden you've got a very dead plant. Right, so how do we stop this? Yeah, it's a two-pronged attack. You have to get rid of the scale first yep. and for that you need some sort of insecticide. There's one called anti-scale. Uh, you can use pest oil or eco-oil. What that does is actually choke up the uh, sort of uh, the scale because there's a little insect. It's formed this waxy shell over the top and uh, it uh, just chokes it up and it can't breathe or do what it has to do in under there. Yep. And then the uh, the next uh, prong that you have to address is the uh, sooty mould. So you need a fungicide like Mancozeb Plus or Coproxychloride. So you do the insecticide one day and then you do the uh, fungicide the following day and you repeat the whole process in about a week or you know even a fortnight if you want to. Okay. Now you'll know when the scales... So no overnight. No, success. unfortunately, no. You'll know when the scale's dead because it just sort of dries off and you can just flake it off with your fingernail. And equally with the uh, the sooty mould, if it's quite bad, you'll just find it starting to peel back up off the leaves as well. And you can use a hose if you want to and hose it off or, you know, just try and flick it off as well with your hand. Okay, so you can just brush it off with your hands, essentially. Yeah, you can, yeah. Or even a banister brush, I guess, if you want to just give it a brush off and okay. see what happens, yeah. Yeah, so those things will dry off and you should be able to brush them off. So don't let it take hold. It can get very, very bad. Scales come in all shapes and sizes and colours. Some of them are green, so you don't necessarily see them on the leaves. Yep. Some of them are brown or black, so you don't necessarily see see them uh you know on the uh on the trunks of the plant uh, you can get white ones as well they're a bit easier to see i don't don't even have to take my glasses off to see those and all <laughs> well <laughs> so yep scale insect uh, don't let it take hold it sounds like they are very adaptive yes they are just the way they travel around indoor plants get them as well okay yeah not so nothing is safe nothing is safe if mate if you stood still long enough one would probably get on you and start going and sucking the sap out of you like uh -oh. a vampire insect <laughs> It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and your RFM. We've got Stuart from Raven Terrace. And he wants to know about pruning his camellias. Hey, Stuart, how can we help you with it? Um, hello, Scott. Um, I'm wondering uh, and hoping you can settle an argument that's Ooh. going on around here about uh, whether you actually just let camellias go or you do uh, cut them back. Yeah, Greg, Greg and I feel like high court judges here all of a sudden. <laughs> yes, I know, putting you under pressure. <laughs> There's a lot of money riding on this. It's like so, a constitutional yeah. question that needs to be answered straight away. <laughs> so, uh, camellias, yes, you can prune them. Is the oh, answer. Okay. Yes, and it probably is beneficial to do it. You can hedge them if you want to. You can turn them into topiaries. Uh, with camellias, you actually uh, prune them when they're flowering, or just you know after they're you know starting to wind down their flowering. It's the funny time when to to do them. Uh, so yes, you, you can prune camellias if you want to. Oh, okay. Well, let's uh, settle the argument. I've lost. Um, okay. And somebody else lost. gets ten dollars from it. Oh no, no. <laughs> so uh, so it's just getting a bit straggly or something, is it? Um, no, no, they're, they're actually, they're flowering at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, they're beautiful flowers. Oh, so you, you must um, have japonicas then. They're the bigger flowered one, the bigger leaf yes, ones. So, yeah, so yeah, yeah, just, just, just let it finish flowering and then give it a prune then. Okay, okay. will do. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, you very cost much. cost me $10. I'm, absolutely, I'm very, very sorry about that. Uh, we, we haven't made our decree. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Thanks, Scott. Okay, thanks, Stuart. Bye.
It's like you would judge Judy then for a second. Yeah, so I've seen a couple of others. There's an English version of that as well. He's quite funny. Okay. Yeah, I don't know where I saw it, but uh, he's quite amusing. Judge John? Judge, uh, you know, Cecil or Bartholomew or something like that. (laughs) I'm sure he is. (laughs) And we've got Gwen from Medford, and she would like to know how to keep fruit flies out of the compost. Hey, Gwen. Hi, Scott. I've got a compost bin, and every time I go to add more food scraps to it, the fruit flies are just everywhere, and of course I don't want them when the tomatoes ripen. Mm-hmm. So I've even tried spraying them with like heavy fly spray, but it's not working. Yeah, that, that, that's quite a difficult one, unfortunately, because you've got that rotting fruit in there, and of course the, the fruit fly are going to be attracted to it. Uh, at the same time, you don't want to be using insecticides in there because that's, that's going right. to, you know, corrupt your compost. So you, you're sort of, you know, caught between the old rock and a hard place on that. The only thing I could uh, suggest to you, <clears throat> pardon me, is to um, uh, is to get a, a trap of some sort and uh, hang it in there, and actually hang it nearby. Uh, you know, a couple of them around the compost bin and uh, try and uh, attract them there rather than getting into, into the bin itself. Uh, the other thing you can do, it's an old trick, uh, you can get some uh, Vegemite, put a couple of stakes around the compost bin. You get some Vegemite and a product, an insecticide like Malathon, and you mix it up into a paste and you actually sort of smear it uh, on those posts, those stakes that you've got there. And that uh, will attract the fruit fly there and they'll eat it and they'll die. Uh, but you can get normal uh, you know, traps as well that will just attract them in there and they'll die inside those traps. I think that's going to be the best bet to try and minimise the number of flies you're getting going into the compost bin. Okay, thanks so much. Okay. There used to be a thing you could make with a milk bottle. I think it was ammonia and honey you put in it or something. Yeah, and look, and that's what those but, traps are effectively doing, uh, you know, to, to get them. They're attracting them in and then there's something in there to kill them. Uh, is there any other way you can, you know, put some uh, fly screen or anything over to try and, uh, you know, protect the, the uh, you know, the outlets of the, of the compost bin? But every time you lift uh, the lid to put more in, they just... They so fly in. up into your face. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So they're they're already in there, really doing the damage. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's there's literally thousands of them in there. Right. Okay. Um, unless unless I dump that whole lot of compost and start again. Yeah. Look, it might be worth uh, you know using just you know some of that a little bit of fly spray like you were using just to you mm. know create a mist in there and kill them as much as possible, and then you know say you know with reducing the numbers that you've got, and then uh, using those traps. I'll try the Vegemite and Malathion. I've got nothing to lose. Okay, give it a try. Okay, okay. thanks so thanks, much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I would, if it was me, I'd start again. But I'm taking the easy way out there. Yeah, but then yeah, you've got that compost. You know, it's a, you know, it's a good thing to have. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, she's caught between a rock and a hard place with that one. Yep. Yeah. Sounds like there's a lot. Sounds like they're, they're a hive. <laughs> Sounds like there's squadrons of them in there. <laughs> they've, they've got a game plan. <laughs> We've got Debbie now from Cessnock, and she's got a question about Eclavias. Yes, how can we help with them, Debbie? Oh, look, I inherited a big pot of them, and they're about to bloom, and they're the cream ones. Yes. And I just wanted to know when I could start breaking them up and repotting them. Yeah, look, let them flower first, and yep. then go and break them up as much as you want and uh, okay. repot them. Yeah, look, that's that, and that's the good rule of thumb with most things. Uh, you know, you're going to, you know, the the sap streams moving mostly when they're flowering. And uh, yep. also, you're just going to physically damage the flower if you try and break them up. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Grab a uh, you know a sharp uh, str- uh, saw and yep. 
and uh, just you know nicely cut down through them. Don't use a spade or anything like that. It sort of just hacks at them. So if you can get a pruning saw, just try and uh, cut them uh, you know as neatly as possible. Okay. So as soon as they finish flowering, I'm right to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what do you feed clivias? Uh, you can. Well, you, are you going to put them in the ground or are you going? Yeah, to... I'm going to put some in the ground, and I think I'll put some. They're in in a big um, washing machine tub, so oh, they're beautiful. Okay. Yeah. There's yeah. a heap of them. Yeah. Okay, uh, so look, you can uh, just uh, feed them with cow manure if you want to. Right, um, okay. Yeah, and, and of right course, on. just keep on using uh, the sulphate of potash as well. Uh, right. To, just to promote flowering. Use that every month or so if you want to. Okay. Yep. Okay, then. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Debbie. We've got Janelle now from Stockton, and she's got a question about black sesame. How can we help you with it, uh, Janelle? Yes, I recently went out to a Korean restaurant and had black sesame ice cream. Oh. And I looked it up on the internet, and it is a plant that you can actually grow. I was just wondering if you have it or where I can get it from. No, I haven't got it. Uh, you may be able to get it as a seed. Uh, now, it's actually a, a plant that comes from, I the guess, tropics. yeah, the tropics, Africa and India. Um, but look, it has naturalised itself around the world. Mm. Um, I would, if I were you, uh, try the Diggers Club. Uh, they are a, a sort of a an organisation down in Victoria uh -huh. uh, and they uh, specialise in sort of, you know, hard to get plants. So diggers, oh, good. Yeah, diggers clubs and they can send them by mail order as well. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I think that'd be the place to try for those unusual sort of plants. Yes, I think my backyard definitely needs one of these. Okay, give it a try and you can make some nice ice cream for us. Was it... Hey, uh, excellent, I'll let you know. <laughs> was it sort of nutty, was it, when you... Yes, it, um, it tastes like... Um, uh, almost like a chocolate flavour, actually. Mm. Um, and just as it hits the back of your throat, you get this sesame nut flavour. Yeah, very nice. And I've actually made it myself since then, too. So I found some um, sesame paste oh, okay. in an Asian supermarket. Yep. Yeah, And you yep. get sesame seeds as well, so you could probably gr grind them up. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So but if I can grow it, it would be much better. Yes, mm. I'm, look, I'm no expert on making ice cream, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to me about that. Okay, thanks a lot for that. Okay, good luck with it, Janelle. Thank you. Thank bye. you. Bye bye. That sounds quite interesting. The black sesames. Yeah, I've I've seen you know I've seen them in the you know the herb section of, of the supermarket mm. where you get them as little seeds, but I never really thought about uh, thought about it as a plant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I we'll have to look into it. Yes. Like Janelle is. Yes, uh, and and it sounds like a fantastic uh, ice cream as well. Mm. <laughs> Now, you mentioned a bit earlier about sensory plants. Yes, I thought we'd have a quick talk about those. Uh, yeah, people, uh, you know, often, uh, you know, come and talk about uh, sensory gardens and, uh, you know, they can be a nice thing to have. Uh, you know, and I guess the senses can be just through the touch and also through the uh, eyes, the eyes and the smell. I guess most people, mostly, we've got the eyes taken care of. Yeah, uh, plants don't make much sound. It's not like you know you depends how windy it is. Yeah, if you you know pulling a weed out, you don't hear them scream or anything <laughs> like that, do you? So, so the sound. So mostly, it's down to of course smell and touch. And there are quite a few plants that you can uh, have in your garden if you want to uh, you know make make it nice. You know, if you're just brushing past them, because whenever yeah. people bring herbs and things up to the counter at work, I sort of ah you know. Some rosemary or something, I'll put a bit my hands all over it and, you know, just sort of release the smell in the general area. And that's a nice thing to do. <laughs> uh, so, look, these are nice safe plants as well to use uh, in the home, the school, or, you know, if you've got a community garden that you want to uh, do something like this with. Uh, unfortunately, they're largely outdoor plants uh, because indoor plants, yeah, you really don't have that sort of aromatic smell or, you know, I guess you have some touch with them, but uh, outdoor plants are better. Yep. Uh, rosemary, of course. 
so, you know, those herbs uh, like sage, uh, mint, uh, you know, you can get some really nice uh, fragrances out of those. I guess rosemary, you sort of get a double bunger on that as well, don't you? You get the funny feeling of it, but you also, when you rub your hands up, the, the, you get, the smell, you as get well. the smell of it as well. So that's a really nice thing. And you can thing probably lick that one as well and get taste. I'm not going there, so we'll just leave that for a while. <laughs> probably be a fairly bitter taste, I should imagine, without okay. it being cooked. Oh, you could probably have fresh rosemary. Yeah, rosemary ice cream if you felt like if it. You've, you've got it in for the ice cream today. Yeah, just... I really have, haven't I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, basil, of course. Basil's a really nice one too when you know, rub your hands over. Yep. Uh, now, if you want something that feels a little bit different, uh, aloe vera. Right. If you can get the, the little spines on it. They're not really spiky, so they're going to you know yep. jab into your hand or anything like that. And of course, you can use it uh, if you need to soothe the skin in any way. I remember when I was young, I got sunburnt badly once and I think I got pretty much doused in aloe vera. I'm sure it made a difference as well. Oh, it is. Look, yeah. how, look how pasty white I am today. Yeah. <laughs> You've never gone in the sun since then. <laughs> uh, and look, the other ones are geraniums, uh, pelargoniums. So you can get the beautiful flowers off those. Uh, you get a funny sort of uh, furry touch off those. And of course, the uh, you know the smell of them. Very good. Now, yeah, I think yeah. we've got time for one more caller, Scott. Yeah, we'll give it a go, yeah. It's Jim from Charlestown. He's got a question about the fruit flies. He's got a bit more to add. Oh, that might be... A, how can you help us with it, Jim? G'day, Scotty. Um, yeah, first off, mate, I, I had that problem too. I, I think it's not fruit fly. It's uh, more likely vinegar fly. Okay. And the two ways to get... If you find you aerate it or keep it turned really regularly, mm-hmm. that'll um, distress them and, and you'll get rid of them that way. But the other thing is if you use a bit of apple cider vinegar, put a little bit of dishwashing liquid in it just to break the um, viscosity or the specific gravity so they can't float on the top, they're attracted to that and they'll just drown in it. And then ah. you can chuck them out. So you can actually leave that inside the compost bin as well if you want to. Uh, well, you could do, yeah, yeah. Just sit in, in top there, yeah. Keep it out of the wet. Okay, yeah. so you said, what were the names of those flies again? They're vinegar flies. Vinegar they're not flies. Actually, okay. Yeah, yeah. They're not, they're not really fruit flies. They're vinegar flies. Okay, and, and do they do any damage or are they just sort of hanging around in there because... No, I, I think they're mainly a, a damn nuisance. But if you... The, the Americans, if you look on the net, they call them fruit fly, but that's what they call fruit fly. It's really vinegar fly and they're a completely different okay. animal. But they're still in there laying little maggots in there and they will do some damage? Uh, no, no, I don't think they actually do that. They're, they're just a nuisance, that's all. And, um, you know, I think they try and probably nibble on the uh, whatever you've got in your compost. But, yeah, it's okay. just more of a nuisance. You've got to try to stop breathing them in. They're yeah. that tiny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks very much for that, Jim. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah good luck with it. Okay. Bye. Have a nice afternoon. Well, thank you very much, Jim and Scott. Goodbye. That's all we've got time for today. Okay, well, wrap it up then. <laughs> thank you very much. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.